Hello guys. Happy Friday or happy Saturday. If you are listening to this over the weekend, I want to make this episode short and sweet. And I actually want to share some of the learnings from all the research I did and the panel that I moderated twice in a row today at South by Southwest. So I'm actually in Austin. I flew in yesterday from Sacramento and I came because I am actually, and I came because I was assigned to moderate this panel on the future of search the rise of social search among Gen Z. And this agency that I've created content with before was generous enough to invite me to moderate. And then what's crazy is we actually did all this preparation and we were set to go live with our panel. And shortly before that, about half an hour before, one of the organizers came to us and said, hey, there's actually so much demand for this event that we might ask you to do an encore basically 30 minutes after this one ends. So we actually had to do this whole panel back to back, same thing twice in a row. I think this is kind of an unusual thing, but it happened to be a really popular topic. So what I thought I would do is kind of switch it up and use this episode in particular to share some of the insights that I have learned that we talked about in the panel and that I picked up over the course of my research when I was preparing for this event. So you guys could get a sense of what we talked about, if this is of interest to you, if you're a marketer, if you're a brand looking to scale, looking to just understand how the marketing landscape is shifting these days, this is going to be helpful for you to just contextualize what's going on with Google search and TikTok and chat GPT, of course, the buzzy keyword that everybody's been talking about lately. So without further ado, let's actually just dive in to some of these key learnings. So the first really intriguing data point is that apparently Google did an internal study a few years ago. I think this was in 2021. And they actually found that about 40% of Gen Z was using social search, TikTok and Instagram to look for especially things like where to have lunch. So local and sort of discovering interesting places. That is a really huge number. Almost half of young people using not Google to figure out where they want to have lunch. And presumably that actually kind of was a ring the alarm kind of moment for Google because they realized, oh, this demographic that's so strategic and coming of age and really important to our future is now exhibiting behavior that demonstrates that our modality that we have been pioneers in is actually becoming a little bit more defunct. So what do we do? Next, when I say social, I mean TikTok and I mean Instagram, but really I mean TikTok. TikTok is the platform that everyone's talking about. It's the most downloaded app according to Sensor Tower among Gen Z. It is the juggernaut that has been just absolutely dominating and stealing market share away from the likes of Instagram, Google, YouTube over the past few years. So that's what I mean when I say social search. It's TikTok and Instagram mainly. That being said, when we talk about search, and this is something we really drove home as a point in the panel discussion, search doesn't just mean Google versus TikTok versus ChatGPT. It actually is a much more fragmented experience today than it ever was before because there are so many different platforms you can actually conduct searches on. So think about, you know, looking for inspo to decorate your home. You're probably going to go to something like Pinterest. Now think about looking for a restaurant, right? You're going to go on TikTok. You might also go on Yelp. Let's say you're in the gaming industry. You're a big gamer. You're probably going to go to something like Twitch or Reddit to really learn different hacks or different how-tos, explainers for how to play your favorite game. This was an insight shared by one of our panelists today, the director of marketing at a gaming manufacturer called Steel Series, Jacob Bolvig. 
And this was a point he really hammered home was that, you know, Reddit and community in general is really important for their company, for their brand, but also for the gaming industry in general. So community can also be actually a source of learning for consumers. That being said, it's important to note that Google still has over 90% market share. When you consider the fact that Google started as a research project at Stanford by Larry Page and Sergey Brin in 1996, I mean, that, you guys, is over a quarter of a century ago. In Silicon Valley, that is basically forever. That is a really long time. So it's actually astounding and deeply impressive that they've been able to maintain this kind of market share over such a long period of time. But yes, of course, no company can have a monopoly over such a huge use case of the internet for an indefinite amount of time. So they are losing ground to platforms like TikTok, OpenAI, and by that I mean ChatGPT, Microsoft, right? And in response to that, Google is starting to make some interesting moves. Not only are they actually going to not only in the form of BARD, which is their version of ChatGPT, right? Google has had some of the best AI talent in the world for years and years working for them. So they do have the capabilities, they have the talent, but they didn't actually move as fast as they should have probably because OpenAI really beat them to the punch with ChatGPT, which has been the fastest growing consumer app in terms of number of users in history, I believe. Google is also really doubling down on shorts. I know people in the industry, especially the creator economy, have mixed feelings about this, but they are really doubling down on shorts. Of course, they're starting to pay out creators as part of their fund. And they're doing things even like indexing TikTok videos on their SERP, so search engine results pages. And that actually lets them make sure that when somebody searches something on Google, they can still pull up the TikTok the TikTok videos that they might be looking for instead of just assuming that they have to open up the TikTok app in order to find those things. So it's kind of not the ideal solution because at the end of the day, Google is still driving traffic to TikTok, but at least the traffic starts on Google. So what does this all mean for marketers? What does this all mean for brands that are looking to just navigate this incredibly chaotic, constantly influx marketing landscape? It means a few things. There are a few capabilities that the panelists agreed that brands need to become good. So storytelling is one of them. Jacob really brought up this one and kind of emphasized the importance of storytelling for not only Steel Series, but just in general for brands these days, especially if you're going to be on TikTok, you have to be good at storytelling. Short form video is one that Laura Vestal brought up. She is the head of marketing at an early stage startup called Invisibly. Invisibly is actually founded by the co-founder of Square, Jim Kelvey. So storytelling is important. Short form video obviously is important, not just for TikTok, but for reels, for shorts, right? You can repurpose that short form video content in a lot of different ways. And also, this is something that Mustafa Elbermahoui, who was the third panelist, and he is the CEO and founder of an agency, a growth agency in New York called No Good. He brought up the fact that brands need to start thinking about incorporating talent into their teams that understand how to leverage generative AI. How do you use these large language models or sort of similar or derivative platforms like Jasper, for example, or somehow make their processes more efficient, more effective? That is going to be really important moving forward for brands to really understand, hey, this is how we can stay abreast of all the different applications and use cases of generative AI to very pragmatically make our business more effective. And then finally, of course, TikTok SEO. Mustafa shared some great insights around that. 
I actually, funnily enough, have not played around too much with TikTok SEO. But what I can say is that I found that if you start to really go viral for a few of the same keywords, and in my case, let's say it's direct consumer, let's say it's Glossier, right? When I talk about that, my videos tend to do well because, and this is not based on any kind of verified information about the TikTok algorithm. My hunch, my personal hunch, anecdotally speaking, is I think that TikTok, the algorithm of TikTok, actually assesses what keywords are the ones that do well for what accounts. And then in the future, when you create more content, more videos around those keywords, you're more likely to really perform because the algorithm has deemed you a relevant authority in that particular niche. So I think that that's also something to keep in mind. But in general, SEO, TikTok SEO is good to understand. Everybody's been talking about Google SEO for the past two decades, basically. And so I'm not going to go into that here, but we did talk about the importance of TikTok SEO, how there's sort of a component of text overlay with the hashtags and the description, plus the audio, you know, whatever you actually say, plus the audio, whatever you actually say has to include those keywords, ideally. So when you do all of that, you're going to optimize that video to actually reach the right audience and start to rank for the most relevant keywords to your business. And that's actually a really effective way to do SEO because the feedback loop on TikTok can be so fast. You can basically create one great video that really applies this formula and has a good hook and all the other best practices of TikTok, right? And then go viral and start to gain some traction. Whereas with Google, you actually have to put in a lot of work, a lot of elbow grease to even begin to rank in the search result for the keywords that you want. And then finally, we concluded by saying, despite all of these changes and everybody likes to kind of sensationalize any kind of competition that might be happening, especially in the tech world among these giant Silicon Valley platforms. That being said, Google is still the 800 pound gorilla in the room. They still have really dominant market share, over 90% market share. I mean, that is considerable. They have the talent, they have the resources, right? So in a lot of ways, they are still at an advantage. And they also have home field advantage because AI is really their turf. They have been really developing their AI capabilities and building out their team in AI for quite a while. And they have a considerable head start when it comes to all of that. So Google is still likely to dominate. That being said, it'll be interesting to see what market share TikTok can chip away at and generative AI, chat GPT, open AI, what they can do to start to challenge some of this dominance for the first time in a while, honestly, Google, especially in its dominance in search has not been meaningfully challenged probably ever. So this will be interesting to see how it all plays out. Of course, the wild card in all of this that might throw a wrench into things is basically if TikTok gets banned, right? And this is not something we talked about too much on the panel, but obviously it's something that's relevant to me. So I have been keeping an eye on it. In my opinion, TikTok has made some missteps that have sort of prevented it from solidifying trust among regulators, among lawmakers in the United States, which is unfortunate because US-China relations are already pretty tense. And there's a lot to be said for TikTok being used as this symbolic gesture, this pawn in the US-China relations kind of dynamic as a gesture by the US to show some muscle that they are willing to take drastic action and use TikTok or ByteDance as some sort of a, a proxy in this whole almost cold war that we are entering with this emergent 
superpower, which means TikTok, despite the fact that it's doing all these things, taking all these measures to prove to the United States and to Congress, which actually last month passed a bill to potentially to potentially ban any apps that are deemed a national security threat. So TikTok is taking all these measures to demonstrate that they are willing to to play by the rules, to be transparent, right? They're partnering with Oracle as part of all that, which was actually something that was seeded in 2020 when Trump sort of half-heartedly made an attempt to force TikTok to capitulate because he was having his own issues with TikTok specifically. And also, obviously, he was very anti-China. So there are a lot of things brewing from the side of TikTok in order to accommodate the demands of the United States and to keep its access to this massive and lucrative market available to them. But I think at the end of the day, it's not going to come down to, are they doing all the right things, jumping through all the hoops, setting up these sort of transparency centers, being as sort of accommodating and cooperative as possible. I think it's really going to come down to, are we going to have, is the US going to have more awkward or tense sort of incidents with China in the near future? Are we going to be backed into some sort of a corner where we need to flex our geopolitical dominance by actually using these economic measures as symbolic gestures to demonstrate our strength. What I'm trying to say is I think there's probably a good chance that TikTok will be a casualty of all of this. Do I think it'll be actually banned? That I don't know. I think something might happen and something might happen this year. Do I think there's anything TikTok can do to prevent that? Honestly, I think it's less about what TikTok does or doesn't do. And I think it's more about just US-China relations in general, just US-China relations in general, because TikTok and banning TikTok is something that is, for better or worse, somewhat of a bipartisan agreement that is, a, which is honestly a rare phenomenon in Congress, right? So I think when it comes to US lawmakers taking a hard stance against China by being tough on TikTok is an easy way to score points because you are demonstrating in one false swoop that you are pro-privacy and you are against customer data being shared and you are also kind of tough against China and all these different kind of things that check off boxes that demonstrate some sort of might, supposedly. So it's going to be interesting to see all this play out. But, but anyway, that's the thing that could throw a wrench into all this. So coming back to the future of search, I think it's kind of anyone's guess. Long term, there's no company ever in history that maintains dominance in perpetuity, right? Everything has a rise and everything has a fall. There are companies that used to absolutely dominate American capitalism that now are just mere echoes of what they once were. Like recently I was reading about General Electric and how absolutely dominant they were several decades ago, but now they are not relevant at all when it comes to some of the biggest players, when it comes to the world of business, right? The titans of industry. We don't really think of GE as being Hmong, but once upon a time, they used to be. They were absolutely dominant. And so it's really interesting how this sort of rise and fall of companies is similar to the rise and fall of empires in a way. I mean, they're sort of empires of capitalism, of business. And so there's 100% absolute certainty that Google is not going to stay dominant forever. But the question is, at what point will it start to falter? Who will take its place? And how will that unfold? And I actually think that it's still going to have a lot of fight left in it for years and years to come, but maybe it has peaked. Maybe it has already peaked and it's going to start to falter 
under the encumbrance of the weight of just being this massive company that now is just less agile, less innovative, right? More complacent. Who knows what's going to happen? It's going to be interesting to see it all unfold, especially for me as somebody who not only is a full-time TikTok creator, but also used to call Google my employer. It's going to be pretty striking. Anyway, those are some of the insights that came out of the research for this panel. These are some of the points, the key points that were made that I wanted to share as takeaways from today's panel and some of my own additional thoughts on international relations and the rise and fall of titans of industry and American capitalism. So we have covered a lot of ground and got a little lofty towards the end there. But anyway, this is just me riffing at the end of my first day at South by Southwest. This is my first South by. So it was a really exciting day. It was fun to have my first day ever at South by be packed with these two back panels. And then later I went to this party thrown by a venture fund in LA that I really admire called Slauson and Co. That was super fun. And I met up with some friends. So all in all, a very victorious, successful, enjoyable first day at South. So I'll keep you guys posted on what happens and I will share the recordings of the talk as soon as they come out, probably on Instagram, maybe clips on TikTok. So until next time, guys, I hope you have an incredible weekend.